Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Role Models, Juicy Conversations with Beautiful Humans. I'm Jennifer Norman, founder of the Human Beauty Movement and your host. Today's guest is an intriguing one. <laughs> Meet Alara Dawn. Alara is known as the modern day high priestess. She's a spiritual wellness expert, a multidimensional energy healer, and a business coach. She specializes in helping high achievers. Now we're talking C-suite millionaires. She helps them heal from past trauma, awaken their soul potential, rewrite their script, and amplify wealth. Alara brings an unconventional perspective. She discovered and mastered her intuitive gifts all the while working for nearly 20 years in investment banking. Welcome, Alara. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to have you. Now, I find it so fascinating to hear stories about how people find themselves at a crossroads, particularly at a crossroad where there's norm and culture of a career path that perhaps conflicts with who the person is or how the person lives outside that career. And you are one of those extraordinary humans who had a career in global investment banking. You worked for JP Morgan, UBS, Morgan Stanley, HSBC, and Mer- Merrill Lynch. Now, these are some serious organizations in a very male-dominant, nobious industry, right? At the same time, you were coming out as an intuitive healer. I would love for you to share your story about how this all began. Yeah, so I guess if we go right the way back, my awakening, if we want to call it that, wasn't necessarily whilst in finance. I had two near-death experiences, as is kind of the path with those that have these kind of lineages and gifts. So I woke up thinking it was quite normal to be able to tune into things. Or I think one of my earliest memories was actually seeing people walking through walls as a child. So obviously, lots of people close their gifts down because of that. And a lot of people now are remembering those things. So I had lots of experiences where growing up, I kind of shut those things out a lot of the time and really tried to keep myself in the spiritual closet and the things that I did observe, I internalized a lot of it. So I got to about 18. I'd been in a kind of stressful, emotionally abusive upbringing. And that meant I made a decision at that point to leave home at 18. I cut contact with my family and decided to make a big choice of actually I'm going to find my way in the world. That was what led me into finance. So it became this opportunity that I suddenly was propelled into this environment, but I didn't have a lineage that was in banking or finance. And if anything, I saw the positivity of the opportunities, yet I was constantly keeping part of me back to a degree because there wasn't that unique expression at that time. This would have been 98, 99 in that environment. And then it got fast forward to when I was about 28, 29, and I had this huge kind of turning point, and it was around the 2008 crash. I changed jobs, so I went from UBS to Morgan Stanley. So job uncertainty, just as we ended up getting the 2008 crash, then my grandmother died. And after that, I suddenly getting all these signs and these intuitive downloads and these kind of like warning things really trying to get me to come back to my center. And at the time I was engaged, I was about to get married. I'd been in a seven and a half year relationship. We had this life that, you know, the great holidays, we were both in finance. So we both had this kind of magazine luxury type experience that people would have aspired to but I knew that I was deeply not in alignment there was something missing and I was actually quite lonely in that relationship Mm. and I had this big kind of wake-up call and I decided to cancel my wedding I left the relationship and within 
three weeks had left my home that I owned and moved out and started my life again. And it was really at that point that when I was then rebuilding my life, all of my spiritual stuff started switching on whilst I was still in the bank. Mm. So I was then really going through my own healing journey, which took me through going for therapy myself. And I was noticing at that time that I was beginning to become more sensitive to environments and where I was. And it was obviously a lot of stress in those kind of a lot of, you know, people thinking they're going to lose their jobs. There was a market crash. So I had that on top of all the other stuff that I was going through. But it really kind of carved out for me after that first year that I don't want someone else to go through the same experiences I had. And it really allowed me to dig into the roots of the relationship and all of those kind of things. And it put me on a healing journey to start retraining as a, at the time, gestalt therapist, and then later a clinical hypnotherapist. And at the time I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll meet someone, I'll have children, I'll set up a little side hustle, that'll be it. And then my soul just kicked in and everything changed from about 2014. And it was like this kind of fast track where I'd qualified and had this kind of period of, you know, change jobs again. And then suddenly all of the other stuff came in. And I felt that there was no way that I could be in this job and this environment, not authentically be myself. Mm. I was like, I cannot. And I'd stopped drinking by that point. I'd changed huge groups of friends. It was all about coming into alignment. And I didn't really know that. Mm. And it obviously was over kind of a period of time. But I realized that whenever I was doing something that was out of alignment, I was actually getting a physical response through my body. And it would actually feel like my heart was being compressed or energetically, my body felt blocked. And I was beginning to become much more sensory aware of, you know, am I being true to myself or am I not? Mm. And at that point, I had actually had long, very dark hair. And I had this kind of like, just felt like I wanted to change. So the people at work had kind of seen me join in maybe May with long, very dark hair. Then it went to like almost platinum blonde, wavy, massive changes. I was like, you know what, I'm going to come in and feel and be exactly how I need to be. So I had my crystals on the desk. I was very out about going off and doing my meditations or clearing my energy. I'd made sprays and stuff for being on the desk. Bear in mind, I was on the trading floor. And the irony was, at the time, my team was quite diverse anyway. So everyone was quite eccentric, I would say. There was an acceptance of it. But what I realized is, after a while, people started being like, oh, have you got any of that spray? I just had a really funny phone call. And they'd be there scooting away, like trying to feel a bit better. And gradually, it became a point where I knew I was getting these nudges that I needed to set the business up. And what started happening was, people started coming to me for help. So whether it is in the street, like accidents happening or people coming into my life with something, I was getting the download of what was going on. And it was like, I was, if you don't say yes to stepping into your soul path, we're going to bring it to you. Mm -hmm. So it was like this constant knocking on the door and I had to get approval to set my business up. So I had to explain to my boss and she approved thankfully. And it kind of really went from there. So I knew that if I was not able to be authentically myself in that role, in that environment, my teams or my soul would move me. It was almost like I was really feeling very divinely guided with what I was doing. And there was not like this massive business plan. It was like, I just knew there was a, a need to get the work and the, the medicine that I'd created through my own transformation out there somehow. So it kind of really evolved from that. And yeah, it was an interesting environment doing that in that very male dominated. And I would say that now, obviously, I've evolved far more than, you know, I did then. 
And I think it was a test really for myself of how can I be true to myself? Absolutely. You know, where am I silencing myself? Where am I not using my voice? But it also showed me perhaps where people's judgments were. Because the more I cleared up my own stuff, the more I could see what was being projected against me. Mm. Tell me what that conversation was like with your boss, because I think that a lot of people might be able to relate to the fact that there's something holding them back, whether it be in career or whether it's in a relationship, no matter what it is. It's like there has to be this coming to realization as you had of I'm not being true to myself and I feel that I'm really not happy or I'm not as liberated as I need to be in what I'm doing because of XYZ. There's some sort of inhibition or a blockage. And then you discovered that if you could go to your boss and say, this is how I'd like to operate, or this is what I would love to be able to build within my work. Tell me what that conversation was like and then what it was like after that. So I had a female boss at the time and I'm quite lucky in that the two of us got on very well. And I came in and I'm one of these people that kind of, I was brought in with fresh eyes. So I was kind of highlighting things that could change and people get a bit like, oh, she's coming in and stirring the pot, which my Mm. boss liked, but team at the time were a bit like, whoa, this is, she's shaking things up. Mm. So I actually had that kind of alliance already. And we used to, in our one-to-ones at times, go deep into kind of rabbit holes. She was beginning to notice things herself. So I was quite glad that I had that relationship and connection with her. So she already knew that I'd qualified as a clinical hypnotherapist before. And I just got this massive urge that I had to, on the Monday, go in, book the one-to-one and say, look, you know, I'm going to set this up. I don't know how this is going to go. From my perspective, it's going to have no impact on my time, my energy. From a work perspective, it's not going to overlap. It's not. And at the time, I wasn't really seeing where it was going to go. It was more about I had this real nudge that it had to be done. Little did I know was she was actually moving jobs. Mm. So if she had not approved it, I would have had a completely new manager a week later who had no relationship with me, Mm. would probably have said no. Mm. And it was like this divine timing again. (laughs) It was like this bang, 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 you've got to go. So I just had to be vulnerable with it. There was something within me that knew that if it was a no, then I would have to find a way and that would have rolled out in whatever way that would have needed to because the level of kind of work and the stuff that I'd been doing it wasn't to be just sat doing Excel spreadsheets and sat behind a desk. There was something of bigger purpose. So it felt very divine timed. And then suddenly we all got moved. It was all into different areas of the bank. So it was always very much like I felt like there were sliding doors experiences throughout all of my life. There's always been these kind of things that have happened that, you know, you just have to trust and say yes. Mm. And I think that's the thing. It's like, that's what life is. It's so many of these points where there are a million doors open to us. There are a million timelines open to us at any one time. But often when we're so distracted in the what if or the fear or the distraction or projecting what we think someone's response is going to be, we can't see that they're all open here. And we're just focusing on something that hasn't even happened. And it kept on bringing me back to this like trust and knowing that you didn't go through all of these experiences and and download all of this stuff for nothing. You know, you wouldn't then be put in front of a door that slammed in your face. And I Mm. kept on having to reassure myself because, you know, I'd come from an experience where there was a lot of disappointment growing up and there was a set point of good things happening and then being kind of stamped on. So I had my own patterning that I was having to work through and overcome to start expecting the best, to start to know that it's this and better. 
and that you can start having abundance and overflow. And that was not my set point. And this is the irony. I worked in a bank where obviously we're not talking small numbers. We're talking like huge numbers and you become quite numb to that. But my upbringing and energetically, my set point was not that. Mm. You know, there was a lot of like scarcity and game playing and manipulation in my household. Mm. So, you know, you were almost scared to show your success and that you were shining because somebody would have kind of stamped on it for some reason. So, you know, I've had to work on my own, knowing what is my inner stuff that I need to clean up and not allow that to for me to be my own block whether it was projecting that to other people because they feel it. So they're just going to respond back. So it was like a real thing about becoming very clear in my own energy. And I realized the power of actually being able to reset before having these conversations, mm-hmm. reset before going into the client meeting. I was a relationship manager, so I was constantly in different rooms and meetings and all the rest of it. And how knowing that if I came in with a clear, grounded energy, people responded differently. And I realized that my power is this kind of like my inner ability to take that time to reset and then things actually flowed. And I started really playing with this a lot. Bear in mind, there was so much fear. There was so much, you know, people, it's that environment. It's, you know, risk, fast decisions. So you're working with people that are in that energy. Mm-hmm. So to not be swept into it, I, as, as somebody that's highly empathetic and could easily get pulled into everything, it was a really a skill about me, I guess, yeah, being in the lion's den and holding my kind of centeredness. Amazing, amazing. And I can't tell you how many meetings over the course of my career where I've been sitting there and then a leader would come in and you could feel the residue of the Mm -hmm. negative energy that had just happened, whether it be a phone call or a previous meeting. And it was just this cloud that would then impact negatively everything that was going on from henceforth. And so that energy clearing, I don't know if you do sage or auric cleansers, but it's like, yeah, being able to take that breath and just remove that from the field, everybody does feel so much better and lighter and able to really concentrate on the issues at hand rather than anything that has been brought into the room negatively. And they can kind of hear, but I think they can just actually listen more because a lot of people yeah. contract. The minute you feel yeah. something funky, you're a bit like, oh, I'll just keep myself quiet for this moment. Yep. And actually, it's like a really important place for you to be heard and you don't because... We're just responding to each other. Right, right. And so were you able to do your work on payroll or was this something that you did on the side and had like a side job that you were also collecting income from advising and counseling or was this integrated into your day job? No, so it's completely separate. So I set up a side hustle and my guidance team basically. So it was all like limited company immediately. It was all to be registered I was told that I had to have it launched by the 24th of August I was told it had to be set up so there were some systems in place that it was automated and that it was be ready to go global that's what my teams had told me so I'm like just following on you know getting everything in place and it did and I was fully booked by the end of the year I'd made back the money that I'd put into having everything done within the first three months and it suddenly expanded And at that time, I was using only Facebook, like my business page. And then I later started evolving it into like I had an online program. I had then coaching groups and then it really expanded from there. So it's really evolved. I use Instagram more, to be honest, with the stories and just using it for like just a bit of branding, Mm -hmm. just because you get caught up in the algo stuff. But yeah, I was able to get it to a multiple six figure business. So So, and that was whilst parallel. 
Yeah. Great. So why did you need to ask permission for that? Because you have to have regulatory approval if you work in an organization like that, because they have to know about your outside interests. Got so it. you have to follow the protocol to get that approval. Because if I'd been doing that, and it was maybe out of alignment with the, I don't know, the rules or the integrity. I think it's also to look at if you were a trader, which I wasn't, but if you had secondary trading accounts, because I could have been exposed to sensitive information, I could have been doing other stuff. So it's just one of the compliance things. So I had to, but there was a level of not getting too visible because obviously it would have been in conflict with what I was doing. So there was actually still pieces for me to work through about visibility. And then it got to a point where it's like you just have to be fully expressed and get over this stuff and just put yourself out there. And, you know, that comes in layers anyway. And I think once I hired a marketing team who then helped me do systematic stuff in the background, like click funnels and ad campaigns, and that really just grew everything So it was over periods of time and it's been a ride. (laughs) It's always changing. Like the people in my groups are like, you're the queen of pivoting. Because the minute I notice something's not working, I'm kind of tuning into it. And it's like, be ready to pivot, I think is something that is, if you're an intuitive business owner at this time, you have an advantage because you can really feel into what's actually flowing and what isn't. And if there is a level of force in anything, mm. that energy is always going to create some level of crunchy kind of block anyway. So I'm looking at things on a more of an energetic perspective of my business as well, which is interesting when you've got stuff like all the algos doing their thing and yeah, everything changing, as you probably know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a whole other conversation for sure, <laughs> for sure. So how long was it that you were doing both, that you were actually doing your, your finance work? Yeah, until 2020. So three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were able to manage and maintain both aspects simultaneously. I think it was, it was, my job was quite unique because I was multi-asset class, meaning it's cross product. So every product that the clients were traded. So I was used to spinning plates. I was used to somebody that's used to being able to hold broad spectrums of information, really. So for me to add something else on the systems, That's why it was so important having that. It could actually take care of itself. And I had somebody that I would literally just email my blog posts over to and he would set everything up on my website and everything. So I had support. I had like a mini team, if we want to call that. So I didn't try and do all of it on my own. But yeah, there was a level of juggling. And it also just meant that I had to make choices about what was most important. I also had to be really clear with myself about my energy. Like, Mm. you know, for women any of that program of like self-sacrifice or I had to be really like what am I playing into at this time because you know there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours in this day so I want to be using it in the most impactful way so I had to stay no to things and that also meant you know I didn't drink so I was not kind of out going to parties or bars or anything you know and that was the opposite from my 20s so it was kind of like this evolution into working towards purpose and Stepping away from the distractions and the things that I was doing that were really hiding a gap, a numbingness, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you have some interesting stories about the confluence of your work in finance and then some of your intuition. Can you share some of those? Yes, it was always very synchronistic. So we talk about like um, you say something, then it kind of happens. So we were in this big conference call and it was the whole of the London team and then 
the main new manager. So this person that didn't really know me. And my team had already got quite used to the fact that, well, she's just going to come out with something. There's going to be something magical going on. It became the running joke. So my London team knew. So I was sat there and he had his presentation in front of him that he was trying to tell us about this directive. And there were like maybe five or six points. And because I'm a channel, I was I basically channeled what the five points were. So this. So if you can imagine, you've got this presentation and the person that is on the other side of the world has never seen your presentation and basically relays it back as ideas because I was just getting them as ideas so he was like has any of you got any thoughts or feedback and I said yeah and I basically relayed everything that was on his page and he was like wait a minute how did you just do this he's like and he was really like perplexed like how did you just do this you have literally just said everything on my page he said are you a psychic and he was obviously joking. And I said, yes, I am. And my whole team just burst out laughing. Um, and it was this kind of like, you know, running joke. And I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've actually met him in person at that time. So this was obviously quite a, a unique introduction to your London group that you're trying to bond with. And you've got somebody that's basically channeled your whole presentation. He was a bit like, does that mean you can read minds? And he was a bit like wondering whether that was a good thing or bad thing or what did I know? Um, but I got on really well with him. And actually, he we spent two hours in a car going to client meetings one afternoon. And I was very open with some of the stuff, you know, I'd picked up on things in the office and energetic stuff. And I shared it with him. I think, you know, I got my job done well. My clients liked me. I was performing. I had value there. And if anything, he was like, you're not going to leave us, are you? So he was kind of like happy that I was eccentric, happy that the conversations were probably a bit more interesting than he probably had with other people, which would have been, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was accepting of me talking about stuff that in the grand scheme of things, when I came back and told the team what I'd be talking to the big boss about, they were like, really, you said that? And I'm like, yeah, of course, because I'm just going to be myself. And when you come at it with that energy, People mm -hmm. receive it. You know, I said to him, I'll stay in this role as long as I can be myself and it doesn't restrict me. And he was just happy that I was not leaving. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, you know, the expectation that a lot of the time when we worry about what the outcomes could be, we never tend to think about what could be the best outcome. Mm -hmm. That's often harder to grab because I wouldn't have been able to think of that. And it kind of kept on knocking at the door it can go to your advantage it can be a positive outcome you can be all of you and evolve because I was doing so much inner work you know I was changing so many beliefs I was shifting a lot and people would have felt that yeah you know and I think that's kind of what all of us are being asked to do a little bit at the moment aren't we yeah, I love the idea of thinking about best case scenario. Oftentimes we're just trained, what is the worst case scenario? And let's hedge our bets against failure or let's hedge our bets against risk rather mm -hmm. than thinking like, what is the absolute best thing and all of these open doors, all of these opportunities that we forget that are around us because we cannot see them from our vantage point. That's yeah. fascinating. It's like lessons, constant lessons to make me peel some level of illusion from myself. 
I love the fact that that particular individual and seemingly your work environment was so open to people's differences, to you being yourself and to allowing you to be, as you say, your eccentric you. I think that it's interesting because now it seems like the world itself is at this kind of crossroad of like business finding itself, the way that we used to work and the way that we would consider what professional was and structured mm -hmm. in the past is that it's been detrimental to mental health, emotional health and creativity. It's stifled people. And I guess I would have been the pioneer being the way I was kind of also gave others permission to be a bit more, you know, and I would always be looking at the opposite perspectives and looking outside the lines. Mm -hmm. That's kind of part of my gift. And that also expanded people to allow themselves to give themselves a bit of a slack. I think, especially with the women, a lot of them were very much in their masculine energy. There was a lot of having to prove themselves, yeah. not looking after needs not taking lunch breaks. My nickname was Boundaries at one point because I was the one that set the boundaries. I would say no, not in an aggressive way, but in a way that was authentic in alignment and I would be given reasons, but that was out of the realms of that environment. And I was also stepping into doing a lot of the divine feminine work, doing my inner healing. Mm -hmm. So by me bringing that into that space was very different energy. Mm -hmm. And it also then kind of triggered other people to question how they were operating. Because if I could do it and the place didn't blow up by me saying no, then that gives someone else permission as well. The one that took the first steps in certain things. And I think that's powerful that people don't hold themselves back from it because they project the worst case scenario. And I've recently collaborated with the Global Equality Collective, which is the first global diversity and inclusion app for business, education and home. And they're looking at this stuff, you know, looking at our work environments, looking at total wellness is what I call it. So it's where there's spiritual, mental, emotional and physical wellness rather than just chopping it up. So I feel that there's a real appetite of how do we support our employees that have just had, you know, the past three years of trauma are our management teams able to actually lead with empathy? And there's big gaps there. Yeah. And the big gaps, cut, you know, we can overcome them through doing inner work. And that's essentially what I'm kind of being asked to do is to go in there and, you know, do some existential work. This isn't like tick a box. It's like, no, we need to understand what is yours and what is theirs. And we find that by doing the inner stuff. So mm -hmm. to bring that into those environments, people are ready for it, I feel. And I think it's one of those things, like even with what's happened in the world recently, the global investment banks have been the first that have said that they will cover travel for people that need to go out of their state to get a portion or support, etc. What I've noticed is those people will make those decisions very quickly. And then all the other organizations, all the other banks, everybody follows suit. So it's kind of like the trickle effect or the ripple effect. And we just have to trust that that is in motion. And, you know, if one organization has a big change and inspires people to go and work there, it's not about it being perfect in the next five minutes, but it's, it is in motion. And it's hard to see that when there is so much chaos in the world at this time. But I'm deeply kind of connected into some of these different systems, including the birthing world through like birth keepers and doulas. That is another big conversation that's going to be coming up. But we need to have it, but we need to do it in a way that we create solutions that are going to help everybody as well. So, yeah, there's definitely change and interest. And I do think people care. I think when I've had conversations with people, I think some of the biggest limitations is that they think others don't care. 
I don't think that's 100% truth. I think there are minorities that don't see the bigger picture and don't understand, but then we can educate and change things that way. And, you know, you've just got to trust that I'm there in those positions and I'm getting involved in these conversations to make a difference. Yeah. And I'm not the only one doing it. And part of that is, in truth, people project that people don't care because they themselves can't see past their own pain and they're looking at the world through the filter of their own wounds. And so from that perspective, it's kind of like, what is that inward work? What is that that we can help people to shine a light and say, okay, this was my perspective and this is how I can move forward by flipping the script on what my past limiting beliefs were about myself and like all of these wonderful opportunities that are before me that I just couldn't see before because I was very much closed in. And so I think that it's interesting, as you were saying, like there is this new awakening. I think that over the past several years, it's definitely accelerated. A lot of people talk about the fact that we are starting to step out of the mass masculine and into the divine feminine phase of our timeline and what that means. It certainly means more empathy and more creativity. It could also mean more chaos because the feminine energy does equate to chaos. That is what (laughs) what creativity is about. So what is your perspective on what kinds of things that people might be feeling as we're ascending into this new part of time? So there's two pieces. One, you're going to have so many different people at different dimensional levels of consciousness. So I think there's even more this accentuation of not being understood or heard or whatever else. So where's my clan? Where's my tribe? Because almost we find a tribe then we do deeper work than the others and we evolve in our path and our timelines. So there's this element of we're having multiple lives within a life. And the relationships that we had could have been a whole timeline that would have had children and marriage and everything. Now it's being compressed into months because you evolve so quickly together so it's like when we start to realize that we there's going to be some people that are choosing the karmic route where they are working through contracts and obligation and trying to learn through loops you're going to have lots of that they are likely to be looking at the outer reality and believing it rather than that they have power to shift things and that they are energetically contributing to the outer reality then you're going to have others who are people that I've come across that have not had the deeper traumas they've not had those experiences that have also meant that they're here to break ancestral lineage stuff they're the ones that often are the healers or the wise people or whatever else so there's that demographic but I'm also seeing that there are some people that have contracted not to come in with that level however the awareness of quantum physics and the physics of consciousness that is going to drop for them And that's going to be the people, their blueprinters, they're the ones that are in like different areas of society that will be making the changes from the inside out. So we've kind of got so many people that having completely different reality experiences at different consciousness levels, that in itself is, yeah, I've really, I've noticed it even more myself. And I think that that means you have to have this come back to myself, come back to myself recognize that you'll go to bed tonight and tomorrow it's all reset and feels different and I think sometimes if we can remind ourselves that this moment is there is change happening Mm. don't get caught up on this outer reality and struggle and if anything your power is not to push and force and try and fix and finish something now it's actually to step away from it drop your focus and attention so it's almost like most people might be well that's that's irresponsible but when I take my focus and energy off it and go for a walk and change state, yeah. this energy changes its 
formation, it's power. And often I get the download, the solution and things flow again. So it's like when we start to realize that we are, we have a, we have an opportunity to change the way we work, the way we interact, the way we can flow in our environments. I feel like there's people that are anchoring that way of being in our new workplaces at home. And that is going to invite others to see that they can step out of struggle. But mm. it's a dance and it's kind of also, yeah, you're going against the mental constructs of everything you've known. Because to say there's a big to-do list and a problem and then take a step away from it, you know, brings up so much monkey mind. I mean, obviously, if we're doing it consciously because we're, we're not just avoiding, but there's an element of if we look at it from a perspective of this is nothing's rigid, nothing's this equals this equals this. It's like all of its play. It's kind of like quantum play. Yeah. So this is part of the new education, the new game. And yeah, I think some people are going to really struggle with that. But that's that's all part of it, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I recall like when I went through my period of awakening into more spirituality, it did seem like everything was not as it seemed. Everything was upside down, inside out, turned on its head. And I find it so ironic that what we coin as counterintuitive, like, well, you know, working on a problem and focusing on the problem by stepping away, as you were saying, is actually the solution. You know, it's counterintuitive, yet that is what intuition is. And because yeah. it works. It works when you just let the energy continue to allow. That's where it happens. And I think that that is one of the secrets to actually helping to embrace and expand your own intuition, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think also allowing yourself to feel good. So actually, if we strip everything back and say, well, your job is actually to feel good, be in your body, there needs to be energy and motion. Your job is to, you know, look after this vessel that you chose. You are a vessel for divine source and soul, meaning that the more that you are tuned into that and actually keep in alignment with that, everything else actually does flow. But we've been taught the opposite. You know, we jump out of bed. We're straight into a to-do list. Women are running lots of programs of self-sacrifice. We're disassociated and we're running towards some kind of to-do list. There is a re-education almost that needs to happen, mm -hmm. but it comes from conscious choice as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing because often the to-do list will never go. Even if I drop dead this one moment, I'm still going to have a ton of mess and to-do lists. So there's no point trying to finish this stuff. And it's almost like we create separation between everything we want. You know, the happiness comes once I've done all this to-do list or the happiness comes when I've lost the weight. And it's like, no, you need to focus on how you feel at this moment and the rest of it, let the chips fall. Exactly. It's essentially getting yourself into that feeling and into that envisioning of that happiness, that joy, that feeling that you've already achieved it and that it is there, that it's in your vortex and you've already got it rather mm -hmm. than feeling to your point, like there's a goal to be had. There's a stepping start, like there's only these steps. And then only after that, will I get the golden ring or the prize or the, yeah. the this and then that. It's not separation consciousness. And, you know, it's realizing that you're creating it as well. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, what are the things that can really tap into joy or abundance? I mean, literally nature is probably the clearest thing to connect yeah. with that really immerses you back into abundance. I mean, how many blades of grass? How many roses are there? How many? It's like literally if you start to really appreciate that and spend a bit of time. You know, that is a communication with the elements and that starts to affect us energetically. Mm -hmm. So 
the more that we start to recognize the small things, because it is the small things. Like for me, after being in the office and a commute and all those kind of experiences, just to be able to sit in my garden with the cat, the coffee, the birds singing, and think to myself, my God, like what I would have done a few years ago for those small moments that aren't costing any money. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not buying anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm just experiencing just this spaciousness to just have that time for me. Mm-hmm. Not even a long time. And I just think that actually that is what people need a bit of freedom to have, even if they are, you know, if they're going to be working from home or they're going to be in the office to allow people to have that little space rises their frequency how they feel they feel like they're nurturing themselves mm-hmm. that would shift so much in consciousness how they feel and work environments and everything else mm. and I kind of feel that we need to accept that we do need to have breaks from things we do and that's how we get into that state and that's how we start to create from a more co-creative intention based way because we're putting ourselves first and our needs first and feeling good first Yeah, yeah, I love that. One other thing that I've been so fascinated by, which is also quite ironic yet unsurprising, but it seems like for those who are in the tech industry and thinking about where technology and innovation is leading us in this 3D space up to various levels of quantum fielding, it's almost like first this idea of creativity and play with technology, and then we're becoming these superhumans where our reality is less in the physical form, then it goes to the internet, and then it goes into the conscious collective, then it goes to virtual reality, then it goes to the metaverse, and then all of these things. Like, what is your take on how the way that we are innovating is almost following along a spiritual continuum? So from my perspective, I look at morphic fields of reality. So we can look at morphogenic resonance. Morphic fields are essentially every consciousness field. So everything that you look at when you're, say, scrolling through somebody's page, any interaction that gives permission to you to access that field and permission back. So we're going kind of into the quantum communication, morphic field of resonance stuff. So when we start putting our energy anywhere, where are we sharing it? And what are we co-creating with? And what is the intention and the vibrational frequency? And what is the agreement of being in those spaces? So when we're talking like metaverse, what is actually going on in there? And, you know, I'm somebody that can tap into many different fields of reality and every playground has a different rule set and it has different players and different game players. And you don't necessarily want to be in those places. So it's kind of like, from my perspective, I I see it in the same way, whether it is something we've created through a computer and, you know, augmented reality or whether it is another realm that we're connecting into. They all have, it's almost like if you could look at it as a playground, who are the players, what are the rules? Mm. You know, and that's the level of discernment in the same way that when I'm teaching clients, when they're kind of going through expanding their intuition and maybe connecting with guides and, and having, recognizing that everything's about a relationship when we're looking into the unseen realms. So it's about, you need to have energetic boundaries. You do not just say yes to whatever being or whatever space you're going into in the same way you should do in the metaverse. You wouldn't just say yes to some being and take guidance from it without knowing who it is in the same way you wouldn't walk up to someone in the street and take financial advice off it. You get some people taking all their advice off spirit guides who have never had physical incarnations. So it's almost like if we look at consciousness in that way, 
the boundaries that we have in the physical reality, we also need to have in these spaces and energetic realities as well, because there is an energy exchange. Mm. There's an energy exchange on different dimensional planes of reality, and there are energy exchanges going into some of these spaces as well. So mm. I would not be using that kind of thing because I'm very conscious of where I'm sharing my energy. Mm. So it's taking it to that next level. People talk about energy boundaries and we need to consider like, where are we going into energetically? Fascinating. On a separate note, because there are so many people who are going through this spiritual change and elevated consciousness, they're now having a hard time with the 3D. They're having a hard time living in the matrix and they don't know what to make of it. And they're getting a bit overwhelmed because they're like, gosh, this is where I feel like I need to be living. But there are mandates and there are rules and there are requirements and I got to make a living and I got to work. And and it's mostly financial, but it's also relationships and such. And they're finding it hard to integrate the two. Do you have any advice for those people? Well, I think the the space where you know that you are beginning to outgrow where you've been so say you like you've got the nine to five and you know that you've outgrown it energetically you've outgrown that timeline but there's maybe this divine timing thing where you're waiting to launch into the business or do whatever it is often that frustration actually delays everything Mm -hmm. and I tell my clients that why don't you view this current position this current job as your angel investor so this is money that you get to essentially it takes the pressure off you having to go through your next evolution of money story healing which you do when you start to you basically earn your own money and you're the one that needs to generate that and you recognize that your business is an energetic entity in relationship to you so when you're out of whack and in chaos and whatever else it will affect your money flow and your business and other areas when you've got this stable nine to five and the side hustle you have a bit of a buffer. This angel investor allows you to save money, put some money for training, do whatever else it is to stabilize this. So I kind of get people to see it from that perspective, because it gives you a level of safety. Though inside you're like, I just want to jump. Actually, the transition energetically, but also the identity shift that you go through when you've left like a big industry for a long time. You know, I had a big change of like, well, my God, I've identified so much with who I was because I worked in finance, you know, 20 years. And that in itself is a big thing on top of suddenly I've got to keep this business going and there's recession, there's a pandemic, everything needs to pivot, you know, constantly the ground's changing on these platforms. So I personally would say, allow your business entity, give it a chance to stabilize by using the angel investor so it's a change of mindset it's a reframe it's also beginning to allow you to although it's the frustrations a lot of the time with this 3d stuff that means we actually attract more of it mm. so the more that we are like dealing with people and getting annoyed with them we lower our vibration and we attract it mm. and you know I'm somebody that kind of I like the flow. So when it's kind of interrupted because I'm maybe on a call center phone and, and somebody's just, you know, whatever, it's been a real test for me to get into neutral mm. because I know energetically if I can keep into neutral, this conversation, this whatever's playing out in the 3D is not worth bringing chaos in because I've got annoyed with whatever's going on. And I mean, this is like, this is part of our kind of lessons and honing skills. But I know how powerful it is to the degree that I had a leak 
in my flat and suddenly I was, you know, you go into the drama of how it's going to like affect your day. And, and then I thought, stop, because I'm just creating chaos for myself. Mm-hmm. So I just stepped back and I quickly reset and I kind of stepped away from it. And actually the leak stopped <laughs> and didn't actually even need to have anything done to it. It wasn't particularly bad. And I just allowed everything else to flow. And this has taken time because I realized that I used to think that I was getting all these negative things happening to me and these things were blocking me and they were coming in like almost, not I'm under attack, but it's that kind of belief system. Mm. And it's us creating it from our frustration often Mm. where we want to be and things not working. And it's recognizing that we create that, but we also create what we want. And it's this two sides of the same coin yeah, it's a part of self-mastery and energetically resetting, clearing my energy if I go into chaos has been key for me. Mm. You know, it's like clear my energy rather than react and create a momentum that I don't want in whatever it is. Mm. And, you know, often when we're taking a big leap or the technical stuff comes in, you get something wonky happening and being able to be as neutral as you can and allow it to drop away. And often it will that has been something I'm going through a big leap at the moment with things that I'm you know expanding into and I've noticed really playing with that and I noticed it back in 2017 when I was creating that first program all the technical weird stuff happening with the sound and everything I was recording and now it's like no I know what's going on here I need to really reset take a step back and then it blows again so knowing that rather than there's some big decision that's blocking you it's the mindset thing of what you're projecting do you expect that you've got this far and then I'm either going to fail or somebody's going to say no as though there's something outside of you mm-hmm. but it's knowing it's ours yeah. and that's where the power of having a coach or working with someone is because straight away I'm like here's your blind spot. This is what you're doing. This is really what's happening. And energetically, you've actually got a pattern that you're running because this is what feels very familiar. And it comes in from this experience. It actually is your mum's and you learned it from her and you've taken it on. And that's why you operate. So now you've got conscious awareness. Let's clear the whole line. And that's kind of how I work. So it allows me to be very, very conscious in how I'm operating. And, you know, obviously we're human and we have all these things happening. But one of the big pieces of guidance with everything that's going on at the moment in the world, which seems absolutely bonkers, was that everything divinely is where it needs to be. And the level of work that people have done to shift their lower energies and the pain and the suffering, that has meant that all of this shadow that's coming up, it actually releases more of it in the collective consciousness, meaning mainstream can see it. And that's off the back of us doing so much of our own work. It's now ready for the mainstream to plow through it. And mm. we start to make physical change. So what might seem like where else is, you know, another volcano goes off. Actually, it's showing us that this stuff is hidden until there is enough of it cleared and it comes to the surface. So there's a lot of people doing stuff like grid work, land work, individual ancestral work, doing the deeper stuff. This is the kind of you know stuff I do with my communities as well. And then you start to see it will come up somewhere else. But when mainstream has witness of it, they can make changes. So know that there's, you know, it can be very easy to just be like very discouraged by everything. And I completely get that. Like our humanity feels it and we see other people suffering and it's not bypassing that. But it's knowing that I describe it as the building has to come down before the new castle can be built. Mm -hmm. And the message that came through the other day from Toth the Egyptian god I was channeling was that we're in demolition phase 
So it means we're in progress. It means they're in that process of, okay, we need to now build. So it's trusting that and trusting that we're in a cycle of that happening in all areas that essentially have been out of balance. And I have to admit, I, despite everything that's going on in the world, it's a great time to be alive. It is a really exciting time to be able to witness at such a fast pace in this timeline, all the changes that are going on. And so if we can just stop for a moment and putting calamity aside, putting all of the distress aside, realize that it is for a better tomorrow. It is for the expansion of the universe. It's for the good of the collective. And we're here for the betterment of all of that. We're here to witness it and to do the work for ourselves. And truly, the work starts with ourselves because we have to be self-aware and identify what we can about our true nature and our true purpose and our dharmas and all of that. And then from there, realize the ripple effect that we can have on others. And I think there's also to let people know, because a lot of people are, I've been I've been healing for years and nothing's <laughs> changed and I've already done this. And I hear it all the time and they come to me and I'm like, okay, but just means that each time we go through consciousness shift, it's almost like there's a slightly different echo or layer. So you kind of know it's there. It's not the same. It's just a little bit deeper. So when you have that perspective, it's not like, you know, you're being haunted by your past, but it just means that with every upgrade, like, if, so I find it really interesting when people say, I want the quantum leap. Well, that means you need to be ready to go fast. And money likes to move fast to move in to support us. But often our nervous system gets frightened into fight or flight by anything moving fast so when we're in fight or flight we will block energetically what we want so there's this dichotomy of everyone trying to manifest I want this that the other will you say yes to the universe if I desire this or I want this you're gonna have to make the shifts and the changes to get there quickly so there's an element of if we know that we kind of have to go through the clearing to then expand to receive more more light, more frequency, more money, more support, everything. And we know that that's part of that cycle. And we're initiating it by the more demands we make and the more desires we have. We're orchestrating this momentum. So if we know that we're going to have some clearing work to do if we want to go to the next level and we're proactive with it, we get to ride the waves rather than them clashing us. And that's really been a big thing of what I teach and how I've helped women the past few years because. My soul has this thing where it wants to bring through all of its past gifts and everything. And that pretty much means I'm going to line you up with some experience, to go into it, transform it and rebirth it. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of used to this. It's like a 40 day cycle usually at the moment. But that kind of comes into past lives as a high priestess and the initiates and the way that we used to work. My soul is wanting to operate like that. So I can lead others that are wanting to go at an accelerated pace as well. But not everybody likes to go fast. <laughs> it's a bit like, whoa, <laughs> where am I going? <laughs> yeah, they used to liken as like driving in a race car fast up against the wall on the left lane, you know. <laughs> you got to be prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buckle up. <laughs> well, Alara Dawn, our conversation was fascinating. Thank you so much for being on the Role Models podcast today. And we will put all of your information in the show notes below. I encourage everybody to look up Alara Dawn and get to know her work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.